fistful of cash. and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of Cash! Podcast. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the newest installment of the Tuesday Touchback here on the Fistful Cash Podcast, like my man Bruce just said. But even sexier than Bruce, I got the co-hostess with the most of soup. What's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. Uh, watching the Packers and 49ers. Uh, enjoyed a good weekend this weekend. Um. Not our best weekend, but it was a winning weekend across all sports. Uh, winning record in college, winning record in the NFL, the over eight and a half on the Bud Crawford fight. Uh, Let's go. We got NBA tipping off tomorrow. College hoops is three weeks out. Uh, sports season's in full effect, man. And it's uh, I'm ready for NBA to kick, or tip off tomorrow, that's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Before we get into a new sport, let's go over some of the stuff uh, and, and the things that we are covering right now. Let's start with college football, if you will, because there was a lot of movement on Saturday, and there is a lot of movement in the standings now. Uh, you know, Some of it was around games that we were interested in. Other ones, it's not so much. All the same, the, some of the games that we got right, Texas A&M versus South Carolina. Texas A&M, A&M rather, was coming in at a minus two and a half. That was a good game. That was a good ball game. Yeah, it was. Um, I was honestly surprised. It looked like A&M was going to handle them there uh, at the start of the game. But then South Carolina made it competitive and hung in there for the entire game. But uh, that's why you – we didn't know that's not the game we bought the half a point. Okay. So yeah, there's a and minus two and a half. They ended up winning by three. So, um, Hey, a win's a win. Yeah. No, the game that you're thinking of that we bought the half point on was another one that we got, which was wild. It started out, it was dismal. And, you know, if you're watching the game, you're thinking it's, you know, you might as well just go ahead and rip the slip up and walk away. But it, that was Florida versus yeah. Vanderbilt. And Florida was at a minus seven. We suggested buying the half point down to six and a half. Yeah, they uh, started out 21 to three. Um, got a touchdown before the half. And then Florida's defense stepped up in the second half uh, and shut Vandy down. Felipe Franks played a lot better in the second half. They had a couple big plays. But uh, yeah, it was a big rally for Florida to actually come back and cover that spread. Yeah, I was I was out and about. I wasn't watching the game, but I was getting updates on my phone. And 
hand up, I was one of the people that looked at that 21-3 score and was like, oh, gosh, man, did we miss that one by a lot and sort of had written that game off. It wasn't until spending some time away from my phone and then coming back and looking at it that I realized, you know, that Florida had mounted a gigantic comeback, which I was thankful for. Some other notes from college football this weekend. We had a lot of uh, top 10 teams. You know, I'm trying to tiptoe around it here. Georgia got handled. Right. Uh, Jake Fromm looked uncomfortable um, going into Death Valley like that. Uh, Kirby did not have him mentally ready. It was a tough game all around. It's really weird. Um, Georgia was manhandling them on the ground. They could not stop Elijah Holyfield uh, or DeAndre Swift. Um, these guys were ripping off six yards of carry like it was nobody's business, which is Georgia's offense. That's what they do. Um, and then they got down 10 points and they got away from the run. They just started passing the ball. And it's it was – I don't know. I don't know what Kirby was thinking. And then passing the ball, just they weren't completing on third downs. And it just spiraled out of control really quick. Um, that the fact that they dropped six spots from two to eight, that's, I, I know the rankings right now, they're irrelevant because it's really going to come down to who wins the SEC. Um, but I promise you if like Clemson lost or if Ohio state lost or Bama lost, they wouldn't be dropping six spots. It's very right. rare. You see a team drop from two to eight, especially with the number five team, uh, losing, and the number seven team going down this week. So you saw West Virginia take the loss, and you saw uh, Washington lose to Justin Herbert and Oregon. So for them to still drop six spots with two of the teams that were directly behind them losing is pretty crazy to me. Texas jumped up to seven. Uh, Michigan mollywhopped Wisconsin. They jumped up to six. But this just sets up a top 10 matchup between Florida and Georgia here in two weeks. So it'll be exciting. Yeah. yeah I mean, there was a lot of movement in the, in the top 10. You know, like you, like you said, West Virginia took a loss. Washington took a loss. Penn State took a loss. Um, that, that, that's a lot, you know. And West Virginia just was disappointing from the opening kickoff. The line on this game was surprisingly close, and I was trying to figure out why it was, why, what, why the spread was sitting at what it was. I think last time I saw it, it was at West Virginia minus four and a half or something yeah. like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, with Will Greer having the season that he was having, what's going on, at, you know, in Iowa that people are so high up on Iowa State right now? And, you know, hand up, they came in and they just, they took care of business. They, they handled West Virginia from kickoff to final whistle. It, it wasn't that competitive of a game at all. No, it wasn't, which, so the thing with Iowa State and Iowa, um, they're notorious for winning at home against ranked opponents when they have night games. Like it's, it's a thing in Iowa for some weird reason that they just play out of their mind on nationally televised night games when they have like top 10 opponents. Um, I'm going to put this loss on Dana Holgerson. Um, I was watching the game 
And through three quarters, Will Greer had 12 pass attempts. He was nine for 12. And that's it. Right. How are you going to have, you know, the, you know, arguably the, the Heisman front runner in the most, one of the most high powered offenses in college football throw 12 times in three quarters. And it's not like he was like Alex Hornybrook bad where he was, you know, three for 18. He was nine for 12. And two of them were just throwaways because he was getting ready to get sacked. So, right. I don't know what Holgerson was thinking. I don't know what his, uh, that game was so confusing to me. The only thing that I expected that came true was uh, um, West Virginia's secondary is miserable. They have no defense at all, but Iowa state looks good. Um, They just what they beat Oklahoma state last weekend too, in a shootout. So that's, that's back to back uh, ranked opponents that Iowa state has beaten in the big 12. Well, Big 12 is wide open now with West Virginia losing. So is there is there a team in the Big 12 that doesn't have a loss? No, there is not. Um, yeah. So West Virginia plays Texas, not this week, but the following week. Uh, that's in Texas. Um, and the winner of – well, if West Virginia wins that game – then the it'll come down to them in Oklahoma the day right. after Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a Friday night game after Thanksgiving. And the Big 12 has implemented the uh, Big 12 championship game now because there was a lot of complaints that, you know, they don't have two conferences or two um, parts of the Big 12, how the SEC has the East and the West, and then you got the Big 10, how it's split up. The Big 12 doesn't have that everybody plays everybody. And it was always just the regular season champ was the Big 12 champ. Well, now they take the top two teams in the conference and they play each other again. So, I mean, from my estimation, we're looking at a matchup between two of the three, Texas, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. It's going to be two of those three playing each other for the Big 12 championship. And if someone were to survive that with only one loss, I'm sure they're going to get into the college football playoffs. All right. Well, speaking of college football playoffs, that's going to bring me to my next question here. Let's go ahead and do a way too early college uh, playoff final four. I mean, they've been jockeying position, you know, since the preseason, you know, all these guys on ESPN, all the talking heads and stuff like that. But I'd be interested after this weekend to hear your take okay. on your four. Yeah. Um, I've got Bama's going to be one. Um Ohio State's two for me. Now, three and four is where it comes, where it gets iffy for me. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to get in. I don't know if they're going to be three or if they're going to be four. But they've gotten through the hard part of their schedule. Um, They've got, I think it's Navy at home, at Northwestern, FSU at home, Syracuse at home, and then at USC. So that 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 road game at USC is going to be tough, but if they're undefeated going into that game, I have faith in Brian Kelly to get the job done. Um, Clemson, I'm not sold on Clemson. I'm really not. And I could see I'm with you. I could see Clemson taking a loss, but 
depending on who they lose to and how bad that loss is, if they still win the ACC championship, they might get in. They're looking at Florida State, which should be a win, uh, Louisville, Boston College, Duke. That's going to be a good game. I'm, I'm interested in that game. And then South Carolina. So outside of Duke, I don't see Clemson taking a loss. So I'll go, I'll go Bama. I'll go with the top four right now. I'll go Bama because they're going to win. They're going to win the SEC. Um, I'm going to go Ohio State because I think they beat up on Michigan. And Notre Dame doesn't play a championship game. So all they got to do is finish undefeated and they'll get in. And then I'm going to go with Clemson. So I'll go with the top four in the AP poll right now to make the college football playoffs. Uh, wild card. If mm, I'm not, I can't say Michigan because I think Ohio State beats them. Uh, this is a, this is tough. It really right. is. Well, you you mull over your wild card. I'll give you my four with my wild card mm-hmm. right now. And I already know you're going to have some pushback on this, but that's okay. That's what we're here for. All right. So number one, I got Bama. It, number two, as much as I hate to say it, Ohio State. Let me give oh, us the wild gosh, card I... before you just do your four, and then I'll give no, us your wild card. I know who it is. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know. All right. Alabama, Ohio State. I'm with you if Notre Dame can finish the season undefeated, they get in. And number four, I feel like they're going to win the Pac-12 and they're not going to take another loss all year and then sneak in. Oregon is my is my sneak in for okay, getting yeah. in with one loss. So Oregon and then um, Oklahoma. Those were my two wild cards because if Oklahoma can run the table and beat West Virginia and then beat Texas in the Big 12 championship and get redemption, they make a case. Um, yeah. Oregon, you know how I feel about Justin Herbert. Huge fan. I'd love to see them in. That offense is so much fun to watch. And your wild card is UCF. Absolutely is. Because if they finish the season undefeated after all of the media hullabaloo that happened last year, they have to put them in. And listen, I know you can art. They don't play anybody. You can make the Boise State reference. I know you and I have talked circles about this before. But here's the thing. A lot of this panders to fan bases that are willing to spend more money. If UCF makes enough media noise, which they did last year with the national championship banner and the governor of the state declaring them national champions and buying them rings and the whole nine, if they go undefeated again this year, how can you, I mean, the the media uproar that would happen wouldn't be worth the time that it would take to put them in and just have them get crushed by somebody. And then Best case or not even uh, spin zone on the worst case scenario. So you put them in there against, I don't know, Ohio State or Notre Dame or something like that. And they get in and heaven forbid they win. Then you've got the ultimate underdog story. Then you've got Butler going to back to back, you know, NCAA title games. That's what you've got. So it's Cinderella story that sells tickets that creates headlines that brings buzz into, you know, into the game. Look, man. UCF is a sleeper pick. They're going to finish the season undefeated. They got a little bit of a scare with the Memphis game, but they're still rolling. They're still rocking. They're going to finish undefeated, and it's going to be hard to deny 
you know, it's going to be hard to deny them at, at undefeated. So they're my sleeper pick right now. I like Bama, Ohio state, Notre Dame, Oregon, and UCF is my sleeper pick. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to hit you with this. UCF's, <laughs> cool. UCF's ranked 10th right now in the country. Yeah. At six and L. You've got Oklahoma, Georgia, Texas, Michigan, LSU, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, and Bama all in front of them. Bama, Ohio State, Notre Dame. They're getting in. So you've got Clemson, LSU, Michigan, Texas, Georgia, Oklahoma in front of them. More than likely, Oklahoma or Texas is going to have one loss and win the Big 12. They are currently ahead of UCF. And to win the Big 12, they're going to have to beat West Virginia and then beat each other, one of them. So that's going to be two top 15 wins. So they're not jumping Oklahoma or Texas. Georgia, if they beat Florida or if Florida beats Georgia, because Florida's at 11, either one of them is going to be above UCF in the ranking. So, And if Clemson doesn't take a loss, Clemson's going to be seven spots above them still. I don't see – I get the whole undefeated thing. Trust me. Call Kellen Moore and talk to him and talk to Boise about it. I get it. But when you don't you – they don't play anybody. Like I'm, – I'm not debating that. You heard me say you can make the, you can make the strength of schedule argument. You but can that, make the Boise a, State right. That's a huge thing when it comes to getting in. You have to have a strong schedule. That's why SEC teams get so much consideration – because of their strength of schedule. That's why Big 12 teams and Big 10 teams get so much consideration because they're playing three top 15 teams a year. UCF again. UCF's playing one ranked opponent this year. If they're still ranked the last game, well okay, they've got Cincinnati who's ranked 20, one loss since he's out of the top 25. They've got USF who's ranked 21. They they're probably going to play one ranked opponent this year. I don't care if you I'm I don't care if you go undefeated. If you only play one ranked opponent, you're not getting in. Again, I'm not arguing any of the points you're making, but it's my it's my <laughs> list. They're my sleeper pick. And because it's my list and it's my sleeper pick, I'm saying that UCF's in. You can't deny the national champions from having a chance to defend their title. That's you have to allow it. That's all I'm gonna say about this. I don't want to say anything more about it. Okay. Okay. NFL football. Yes. All right. Like I told you, we I was kind of right on the Jags Dallas game. I just had what team was going to hang a huge number wrong. Oh my goodness. Did the Jaguars get the piss beat out of them? Yeah, you know why? Why is that? Because Blake Bortles is not a top 15 quarterback. That's why. Blake that Bortles- that's not it. Blake Bortles sucks. No, 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 no. Yes, he no. Does. no what, the, what it was, what it was, was they allowed Conor McGregor on the field before the game. And he put his, his you know, Celtic Irish voodoo on the field. And, you know, you get a good Christian boy like Blake Bortles out there and he's playing on that pagan field and he doesn't know what to do. And all of a sudden the Irish demons possessed them and he didn't know how to throw a football anymore. Right. What happened was he had a what, 29, listen, he had a 29.6 quarterback rating. That's what happened. You know what, what happened was is McGregor 
Monstard from Space Jam, that football that he threw, and that's the one that they gave the Bortles and let him play with. That's what happened. That, that's what happened. That throw McGregor had looked better than any throw Bortles had all game. <laughs> they looked identical because, like I said, McGregor inceptioned his terrible talent into Blake Bortles' hand. That's what happened. And the Jags defense looked absolutely exhausted because they were on the field for like 40 plus minutes. Yeah. That was that was just, oh boy, that was bad. Yeah. Uh, you get, I don't know what you expect out of a defense when the offense gains, what, a total of like 200 yards. Uh, just, yeah. Goodness. It was 204 yards total. That's uh, <clears throat> pathetic to say the least. My, my, that was just. So, yeah, needless to say, Jaguars didn't cover the three points. They lost by 33. Um, But we did hit Steelers. um, Kind of an ideal situation for me since I do not like the Steelers. Uh, Since he was up one, we took the Steelers plus one and a half. And then the Steelers ran an illegal pick play to get A.B. into the end zone. It wasn't called B.S. Should have been called. Shouldn't have been a touchdown. But Steelers covered. Um, Tampa Bay almost pulled off the most ridiculous final play I have ever seen in my entire life, but Deshaun Jackson couldn't scoop a ball up that was at his knees. Uh, so Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta covered those three points because Matt Bryant lost a 56 yarder to go up five. Um, what else was there? No, hold on. So let me, let me go back to this. Let me go back to this Deshaun Jackson thing real quick. I understand that, you know, he he didn't make an effort on the ball. I'm not going to argue that. He didn't make an effort on the ball. But as that play was unfolding in, in, in the, the clusterfuckery that it was, I can understand having frozen feet because you're not sure what's happening. You know, the first pitch is missed. The second is bobbled. The third gets sort of thrown to you as the guy's falling backwards. I understand being like, uh, uh, not knowing what to do. Oh, I'm not blaming him. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm not saying it should have been a touchdown, but it definitely could have, if he would have, if he would have been able to gather that ball, he was in the end zone. That's all I'm saying. Even then I'm not, even then I'm not sure. I feel like he would have had to have been in stride because he was standing pretty still and the, the defenders closed in on him pretty quick. It would have been interesting. I'll go with interesting for sure. I will say this: that was the wrong play call. Uh, I would just, I would have taken a shot at the end zone with a, like a, just a regular legitimate play. You have OJ Howard as your tight end. The guy is built like a freaking, you know, semi truck. Figure something out. I, I don't necessarily know that the Jameis Winston sneak shovel past, you know, thirty eight lateral play into the corner is the right call there. But I mean, I, I, I commend you on trying to win the game. I just don't think that was the right call, but I'm also not an NFL head coach. And I don't think uh, – who's their coach? Dirk Cutter. I don't think he's going to be for very much longer either if he keeps us up. Yeah. So, all right. The Seattle game, London. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, John Gruden's little experiment is failing quickly. They're now one and five. He's shopping around Amari Cooper. Rumors of shopping Derek Carr. This is just – this is just – this is the Raiders at its finest. Um, it, they're the same. They're in the same boat as Dallas until they get new owners, until they get the Davis family out of there. The Raiders are going to be miserable. 
Um, I, I Seattle looked good. That's as simple as that. They're bouncing back and they look good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'll say this and it'll move from to transition from one right into the other. I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, but Paul Allen, the owner of the Seattle Seahawks and the, the trailblazers he died. Yeah. He, pa- he passed away today. 65. At 65. Years old. That's crazy. Yeah. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. You know, I mean, many of people said it before. And I'll say it now. Fuck cancer, man. That's ridiculous. Um, Anyway, transitioning from NFL into NBA. I got you know, I got one obviously. more thing for NFL. Yeah. Uh, those of you who stayed up late last night, you just watched, you know, a uh, preview to the AFC championship game. Um, the Chiefs and Patriots are leaps and bounds above anybody else in the AFC. There is no question about it. The Patriots offense is healthy. Um, neither team plays defense, but when you're putting up 40 a game, you don't need to play defense. You really don't. You're going to win games in the NFL and new England will, they will learn how to, you know, they play defense at the end of the season and in the playoffs the, I cannot wait for this rematch. Um, the, the end of that game, the, the Goskowski kicking the field goal and leaving Mahomes three minutes and then Mahomes hitting Tyree kill and stride for 75 yards and then that final pass of Brady running the audible and switching Gronk from one side of the field to the other to get him in single coverage with no safety help up against a cornerback and not taking his eyes off him the entire, you know, from the snap until the throw. He never even tried to look the corner off. He knew what he had. What a pass. What a catch. What a game. Um, that was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. It was you know, an average NFL fan would have loved it. 83 points, just offensive execution at its finest. Um, there's so many weapons on that Chiefs offense, so many weapons on New England's offense. You could build a Pro Bowl roster out of these two offenses. It's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, I'm just that I had to touch on that. That game was incredible, and I cannot wait. I, I truly think, I mean, I'd say the Chiefs and Patriots – are the two best and then the best of the rest. You're looking at the chargers, the Ravens and the Steelers. Um, but yeah, chiefs and Patriots, they just, they stand alone as far as like an echelon of competition in the AFC right now. Okay. Whew. I didn't know. I thought you were going to choke on your, your Brady fanboy there for no, a second. Listen, you really reeled it in there at the I, last second. I gave Mahomes credit. I gave Tyreek Hill credit, man. They're just, you get, you get better wild credit. All right. Let's oh, get, to yeah, <laughs> get to the NBA, man. Look, NBA season starts tomorrow. Two big games. You got Philadelphia, Boston. You've got um, the Warriors and Oklahoma City. Correct? Am I? Yes, that is correct. Okay. All right. So we are going to cover um, – NBA games on this podcast. We are going to cover college basketball as well. Obviously, with the frequency in which they happen, because it's not just a weekend thing, we are going to start throwing the occasional pick or two on this episode. But we're also going to put those up on our social media as well. So the picks will be on here, but we'll also post them on our Instagram as well. Correct. Um, Okay. 
and we're also going to offer uh, different tiers for Patreon with college uh, basketball and NBA starting up. Um, there will be <clears> – we'll, we'll cover it more in the Thursday episode um, when we have a little bit more time. Uh, we still have to look at how we're going to structure it and everything, but we're looking at something between – depending on – you know, the schedule and if top 25 teams play each other, or if we're looking at, you know, Duke versus Loyola Chicago, um, we don't want to pick those games because they're no fun. Nobody wants to watch them. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at somewhere between 15 and 20 NBA picks a week and 15 and 20 college basketball picks a week. Um, obviously they have more frequently than football games. That's why we pick more of them. So there will be different tiers on Patreon Tune in on Thursday. Once we get a set structure, we will give you, um, you know, the, the the cost for that and exact numbers on what we're looking at. But yeah, we're going to have professional and college football and basketball going. So there will be more picks coming up on social media. Anytime there's a big Tuesday, because Tuesday's a big day for college basketball. Um, we record Monday nights, so we'll cover a lot of college basketball on the Tuesday touchback. And then Saturday nights and Wednesday nights are big for NBA. So we'll cover what we can on Thursday episodes for the Saturday night NBA games. Yeah. All right. So getting into that, the, the point uh, we'll, we'll start with the Sixers versus Celtics. I'm getting Philadelphia at plus four and a half and they're playing at Boston. So money line on that game is, Boston at minus 195, coming back on the Sixers at plus 165 with the over-under being at 209. Yeah, I like the Celtics to cover in this game. Um, <clears throat> the home opener against the team that you knocked out in the playoffs last year um, when you were completely banged up and had nobody except for Scary Terry and – you know, a bunch of role players. Uh, this is the this is the series that Jason Tatum really came alive um, when Jalen Brown really shined. Um, the Celtics have actually beaten them seven of the last nine times that they've played. Um, the Garden's going to be off the chain tomorrow night with the return of Kyrie and Good Hair Gordon, both going to be back on the court. Man, that place is going to be wild. Uh, I'm not going against the Celtics at home and the first game of the season, they're too good at home. Um, I think the Sixers lack depth. Um, they're going to be without Muscala. They're going to be without Wilson Chandler. They're going to be without Jared Bayless. Uh, Zaire Smith's out for this. Um, I know one of my preseason, like, you know, I don't want to call it degenerate bets, but preseason picks as far as what I think could possibly happen was taking Embiid to win MVP. But, um, it's going to be a lot for Embiid and Ben Simmons to handle tomorrow night. Uh, the bright lights are going to be on and Kyrie and, you know, Gordon hasn't played since last year's home opener. He wants to play in front of this crowd. And I expect a, you know, a very efficient, good game from Gordon Hayward, probably shoot like 80%, like nine for 11 or something like that with 20 something points. The guy's just too good, man. Um, yeah. Give me the Celtics at home to cover the four and a half. I like the Celtics at home. I like the four and a half. Um, I, I like the I like your reasoning on the win. I think that they're going to use Hayward a little bit more sparingly, though. I wouldn't anticipate him maybe. I wouldn't anticipate him playing more than twenty five minutes this game. 
I don't think that they're going to use him that much. They're going to ease him back into game speed. They're going to ease that leg back into it. Recent interviews with him has said that, you know, he feels like he's at 90% return. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't anticipate him going out there and just balling out of control. I, I would anticipate Brad Stevens knowing what's better for the player than the player himself and taking care of Gordon like he has his entire career. And, you know, just limiting his minutes initially, letting him get back backed up to game speed. But with all the weapons that Boston has, you know, going against what Philadelphia is bringing to the table, I still think that Embiid for MVP is a good play. That was one of our preseason picks. I think he can, you know, start his MVP season, the campaign for it anyway, off to a good start in this game because he's going to be one of the few options that Philadelphia is going to have against this super deep Boston roster. I like Boston to cover this four and a half points at home. So going from East Coast to West Coast, let's get into this last one here before we wrap things up. Oklahoma City versus Golden State. Golden State's coming in at minus 12 and a half. They're also the money line's not even playable. There's no point in even mentioning it. And the over under is at 222 and a half. Yeah, I'm going, <clears throat> I'm taking the over in this. Um, Golden State, notorious for coming out and starting the season, just letting them rip from deep and shooting the lights out. Um, we know that Oklahoma City, um, they lost Mello. But, you know, Paul George, one of the best two-way players in the game. Westbrook, he's going to go 185% every single play, especially against Kevin Durant. That's There's still bad blood there. I don't care what anybody says. You don't, you don't use certain words that Westbrook used against Kevin Durant. If you don't mean it, I don't care what all-star game they played together and what alley-oops they threw. There's still bad blood between these two. Oklahoma City doesn't really play defense, and we know Golden State doesn't play defense outside of like Sean Livingston and Draymond Green, um, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Give me the over all day in this game. Yeah, I think with the Warriors, the safe bet is to play the over until it misses. I would just continue. I mean, even then, it's just, it seems like whenever they're playing, unless they're playing some real like defensive stalwart type team, which the league doesn't have any of those anymore, playing the over in a, in a Warriors game, is it's not guaranteed money, but it's probably 70% return. I would be anxious to see what the stat is on that. I like the over in this one. It's the first game of the season. They've looked good preseason. I think that they're going to come out. They're going to and they're going to hang a big number. And like you said, they don't play good defense. So a motivated Russ, a motivated Paul George. I think that they'll come out. I see this game finishing somewhere around like the one twenty to one seventeen mark, something like that. Yeah, there's going to be. There, <clears throat> I expect a plethora of points to be scored. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a close game. <clears throat> I just think it's going to be ridiculously high scoring. I don't expect a yeah. blowout. I it's hard for me to. I won't ever. I won't ever bet against the blowout with Golden State, but I think Oklahoma City's talented enough to keep this game close. 
I think until we see the chemistry with Boogie in there, it makes sense to just not assume a blowout is right. going to happen. Twelve and a half points is a huge spread for the opening game of the season. I don't like that. I think the over is a safer play here. I think the game will be closer than 12 points. I could be wrong, but until we see the chemistry with Boogie, until we see how everybody's gelling together, I don't, I don't think playing anything over – Eight points is really that safe unless they're playing somebody that's like absolutely abysmal. I think just the over is the safer play here. That's why I think that that's what our our play is. Yeah. So the first two NBA games, we're taking Boston minus four and a half, which um, for those of you who don't play, uh, have never bet basketball before. um, If there's a team that you like to win a game. So if you think Boston beats Philadelphia, but you're not sure about the four and a half points, this has always been my mindset. Um, as long as they're not winning on a you know a, a last second possession, you're more than likely going to cover those four and a half points because of fouls. You're going to foul guys. You're going to put them on the free throw line, and that's that's easy points. So that's one of the best ways to cover when you're taking a favorite who's favored by any anything between you know one and a half and five and a half points. Normally when it gets, when they have a six point lead fouls normally calm down. Um, but yeah, anywhere between, you know, a half a point favorite and like, like a, like a five and a half point favorite free throws are your friend when you are taking the, uh, when you're taking the favorite to cover the points, just keep that in mind. Um, I know basketball is not as popular as football, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's one thing that people don't really notice. That's one thing people who bet the underdog to keep it close get screwed over a lot of times Yep, is the foul trouble at the end of games, especially in college basketball, because you have kids down 13 fouling people Yeah, because they just, they just don't get it. I don't know if it's a pride thing or what. They think they can pull a Reggie Miller or pull a T-Mac or what. But, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see a lot of crazy fouls in college. But as far as NBA goes, once it hits about six or seven points, they normally you know calm down on the uh, – on the filing to extend the game. Yeah. Once it gets inside like 30 seconds, they usually, right. Know, they'll, they'll shot. If it's within six, seven, eight, something like that. And there's a minute left and then they're going to keep fouling. But you know, once it gets inside that. So yeah, those are our first two NBA picks of the year, not counting preseason picks, which um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Jamal Crawford to the Suns for veteran yes, minimum, baby. That's what I'm talking about. I haven't bought a yes, jersey sir. in forever, but I might buy a Jamal Crawford Suns jersey. I'm just throwing yeah. it out there, dude. I this this let me Suns are a sleeper pick, man. That what we what was our preseason over 28 games? Uh, I think it was over 26 and a half. Oh my gosh, they're gonna do yes, yes. Right. That's money in the bank. They've got the roster and. Jay Smooth, Jay Crossover, like that's a good signing, man. Uh, he's going to play well alongside Devin Booker. That's <clears throat> I, I, you know, don't get me wrong, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. That's the three-point team, but there's not a, that duo of Jay Smooth and Devin Booker, man. Those two can bang from forty feet. Yeah, uh, that's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited for that. That's a good signing. Yeah, that's that's a that's a real good pickup for them. I don't think that necess- I mean, it just goes to show too that Jamal Crawford is not a ring chaser at all. Um, he's going to where he can play and have fun and 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 do his own thing. And I I respect the decision to sign with the Suns. I don't know how well he was being shopped by other teams, but I imagine that 
any locker room in the world that he walks into, especially with how he has a rapport with guys around the league. He's a valuable addition to any team and any organization that he shows up and walks through the doors. So good on Phoenix for bringing him on. I think it makes, you know, I think it makes that team marginally more exciting and that 26 games just looks like an absolute lock almost you know it's not quite the lock that our nebraska under was but yeah buddy uh, yeah because that hit already (laughs) if you guys played that from the very beginning that already hit so that was thank you for that scott frost um real quick before we wrap things up if you don't have anything else nba related soup um there's not much as far as there's not much there's not much as far as MMA news goes uh for the for the week the Fedor Chael fight some people thought that, that fight was fixed the, the, the initial left that put Chael down was a little, little I mean was pretty flush but the ground and pound uh, it almost seemed WWE like it was not very hard it was not very f- flush Chael was not rattled at the end of it it was a little it was a little weird it might have been veteran respect but it was a little weird. Um, ben Henderson returned to form and then gave one of the most awkward. You, know, you have Derek Lewis giving the best post-fight interview that you've ever heard. And then you have Ben Henderson, which he is known for giving just some really cringe-inducing post-fight interviews. If you haven't had the chance, I'm not going to play it on here because it's going to make me uncomfortable and i got to sleep tonight. If you want to, if you want to gross yourself out and just feel uncomfortable for a couple thousand people, go ahead find Ben Henderson's post-fight interview. It was really bad, but he looked really good in the fight, so that was cool. Matt Mitrione lost by getting wrestle uh, wrestle death by Ryan Bader, and then Roy Nelson got slept by Sergey Karatonov in the first round, fastest that Roy Nelson has ever gone to sleep in a fight. I think that that iron chin is done. And lastly, MMA-related, a little bit more of a somber note here, UFC veteran and Bellator veteran Bubba McDaniel, his son passed away this last week. There's a GoFundMe set up. Uh, Bubba McDaniel is one of those guys that has always worked a full-time job because he never made enough money fighting, but he has fought in every major organization around the world. Uh, just doesn't really stay with him that long because he usually goes about one and two or two and three, and they let him go. Uh, but he lost his three-year-old son this weekend, uh, which is an absolute tragedy. But there is a GoFundMe set up. I'm going to put the note or uh, the the link to the GoFundMe will be in the show notes. So by all means, uh, want to encourage everybody to go there, donate, help him out. Uh, you know, stand-up guy, well-respected veteran. And absolute tragedy. So thoughts and prayers to the McDaniel family, uh, his son, Wilder McDaniel. So other than that, I know it's a somber note to leave it on, but we've got a big week coming up football wise. We've got a big week coming up MMA wise. I mean, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be an absolute great, um, great weekend. So that's about all I got, Soup. Yeah, that's it. Um, just an update. CJ beat hard is beating Aaron Rodgers right now, 24 to 20 at half. Um, so, yeah, no defense being played in this game. He got 44 points at half. What was the so, over-under on that? 46 and a half. I think it'll cover. Okay, cool. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, until Friday, take care. Yep, as always, guys, clear eyes, full fist, can't lose.